0: This Week's episode made possible by our friends at
1: Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.
2: Good morning, Memphis. This is Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR ninety one point seven FM, and you are listening to Anna Thompson, AT, and da da da, Aaron Wendell, my work wife extraordinaire, back in the studio. Team. I think, I, you did like that. I think that's my thing. I think it's the educator thing, too, because you did it with <laughs> Michelle McKissick, too, when she was in, too. <laughs> um, well, we have a great episode today for you, dear listener. We have our second educator of excellence from 2022, wonderful honoree, Nikisha Woods Dobbins. Um, she is a middle school English teacher at Memphis Business Academy and a 2022 Educator of Excellence winner. Erin. Tell us a little bit about Nikisha. Absolutely.
0: So, she consults on curriculum implementation for her charter school. She serves on the executive board for Gestalt Community Schools. Um, She received her Bachelor of Business Administration from Middle Tennessee State University and holds a master's degree in business administration. She's participated in various professional cohorts, such as Memphis Teaching Fellows and Leaders of Color. And she's also served as an adjunct professor for Southwest Tennessee Community College's Department of Business and Legal Studies. Um, So she really kind of has, like, that full spectrum. Um, She's an active member of her beloved sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, and the proud mommy of a very witty child, Penelope.
2: Oh, yes, her six-year-old. I love it. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to Nikisha because she, much like Valen, is an English teacher. And this is something I feel like I can vibe with. I feel like the math teachers love you mean it, but it's not, It's I don't know a lot about it. You know, it's one of the things I, I did not lean into well in, in my own years. And so I'm excited for the English teacher, but I promise you, dear listener, it will be a very different conversation than the one we had with Valen a few weeks ago. They are both doing incredible work, but um, they are both motivated and execute that work very differently. They both are excellent at what they do, but they have very different approaches. So I think it's important to note all of that as we enter this conversation.
0: Absolutely. And the selection process is not rigged. I promise. Although I was also an English teacher and tend to have a slight bias and love for English teachers as well. Um, our educators of excellence are selected annually in a blind review process. Um, a committee reviews their resumes as well as some short answer, uh, essay responses to some key questions centered around their mission, their impact in Memphis, um, and, and kind of that indomitable spirit that they have as educators and and what they're doing. And it's so crazy to me that this is only the second one we've gotten to share with you, but we still have three more powerhouses to go. I'm really uh, excited throughout the year as well.
2: It'll kind of dip into the first part of 2023, dear listener, and that will kind of ramp us up into nominations and applications for the 2023 Educators of Excellence, which is wild to even say because it is only November, but I promise it's coming at you fast and furious. Um, and speaking of things that are coming at you fast and furious, Aaron, would you like to tell the dear listeners about your upcoming event on November 30th? Absolutely. November 30th is our next
0: Teacher's Lounge. These are really casual events meant to be kind of cocktails and conversations, happy hours, specifically for teachers. Um, Just pre-K through 12 teachers, a space dedicated to them. And these were really born out of my own experience uh, as a classroom teacher, as well as research about what teachers value most in terms of their professional development. Um, And teachers tend to learn best through peers, that peer learning, you know, when they have somebody else who really gets it and can give them another perspective, somebody who's tried it, experimented on their own. So we come together um, four times a year, basically on a quarterly school schedule um, in cool spots all over town. We've been at, you know, Cafe La and Alchemy and Salt Soy, all these Fun, hip places in the past, um, giving teachers a chance to get out, one, mm-hmm. <laughs> put down the computer, put down the grade book, uh, step away from, you know, the, the lesson plans and to come experience a new place in the city, to be in community with fellow educators, and to discuss a topic that is pressing um, and relevant to their lives. So this month, um, we are excited to partner with Vanita Doggett of Memphis Education Fund, who will be guest hosting and facilitating our conversation around the superintendent search. Ooh,
2: some interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, and it really impacts... Everyone, Everyone. <laughs> like yeah. the, the
2: decisions
0: you know made from leaders at the top, will will impact. The entire district and, and what's happening in our school districts impacts the future of our city. So And our communities,
2: just generally. So
0: If you are a longtime fan of our teachers' lounges, you'll know that these are usually on Tuesday nights. Teacher Tuesdays um, are typically these events. But that Tuesday, the 29th, is actually a Memphis Shelby County Schools school board meeting. Well, they will be discussing next steps in the search process. So we are having a special... Wednesday, at teachers' lounge on November thirtieth at five thirty. Um, the day after that board meeting, where teachers can come in debrief, a debrief in a of- forum just for teachers to discuss their thoughts on superintendent search, what's important to them, what questions they have um, about the process, and and just have. A chance to have a little fun also, like maybe a heavy topic, but uh let their hair down, have a have great a drink. Up, yeah, a great Have a drink on New it, Memphis yeah. um and enjoy themselves. So teachers can learn more about that on our website at newmemphis.org. Um, or if you follow us on social media at the New Memphis, uh, you'll find the links to Eventbrite to register and that will wrap up our 2022 event series, but we'll be back in the spring uh, with two more teachers' lounges, and those are typically hosted by friends in the education community, past Educator of Excellence winners, so maybe maybe we'll tap Nikisha, and she'll have to come out and host uh, a teacher's lounge in 2023. We'll see.
2: I love it. Um, So speaking of events that are happening in early 2023, we have TEDxMemphis that will be on February 11th at Crosstown Theater. We already have secured some pretty amazing speakers, if I do say so myself. We have the ever effervescent Effie Johnson, who is our host. um, And speakers that we'll um, have speaking there are Rashawn Austin, Fletcher Cleaves, Kelly English, Carmian Hamilton, Dwayne Spencer, Kirk Whalem, and Lawanette Williams, among many others that are soon to be announced. Speaker's gonna speak. I'm really excited there. I mean, like we have, we always have great lineups for TEDxMemphis, but this one is already shaping up to be like a real powerhouse lineup. And the good news for you, dear listener, is that our early bird tickets are available right now over at TEDxMemphis.com. They are the lowest prices of the season. And I can say that because prices will increase on December 1st. So I'm trying to, you know, spread it far and wide. Get it while it's hot. I mean, get them while they're, I I promise you to see any one of these people give a speak at like to give a talk. Sorry, I haven't had enough coffee this morning dear your listener, but to speak, to perform, to any of the above would cost way more than even one of these um, TEDx Memphis tickets. So I promise you get them while they're on the early bird rate. And if not purchase them after December 1st, when we've announced the entire lineup and still come and join us. So we're excited for that. February 11th, Crosstown Theater, find out more at tedxmemphis com. Sorry, again, I, I can't tell if I need more coffee gonna, or less. I'm going to double check that. You said Memphis twice in that. So
0: tedx com. There we go. tedx com. Go to it now. Don't wait until December 1st, unless you really just want, maybe that's your New Year's resolution and you're getting a start early. Spend more money. <laughs> Pay if you more are for tickets, <laughs> if you are,
2: head over to newmemphis.org and click on that big red donate button because we would love to have you spend more money with us, and you can do it right there, especially as we're entering into this holiday season. So, um, with that, we yeah, will, we're getting loopy. Let's, I know. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and let's get into Nakisha, who will yes, ground us um, our lovely conversation with twenty twenty two Educator of Excellence Honoree Nakisha Woods Dobbins. <laughs> Welcome, Nikisha to the studio. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm pretty good. I can't complain. It's actually my daughter's fourth birthday today, November 15th. So uh, an exciting day in our house, and mine was on Sunday, November 13th. So party week. Well, Mm -hmm. happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: And as much as we love to celebrate AT, we're so thankful to be celebrating you today Yes, um, and your win as a 2022 Educator of Excellence, Um, and so thankful for your time and joining us and getting to share more about your brilliance with all of Memphis.
2: Thank Thank you so much. Absolutely. Congratulations. Um, We're going to kind of start it off a little easy, kind of get you warmed up. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you chose a career in education?
1: Absolutely. Uh, My name is Nikisha Woods Dobbins. I am a Memphis native. Um, I've been a classroom educator for 10 years. This is actually year 11 for me. Um, And I got interested in education sort of by accident, I think I would say, Mm -hmm. because when I was in school, I never wanted to be a teacher that wasn't on the list of all of the careers that I wanted to have. When I think about Barbie and all of her mini careers, it wasn't a career woman. It was, yes, the career woman. So it wasn't a career that I wanted to have, but I did have a deep set passion for advocacy um, and social justice. I feel at a pretty early age, I was always wanting things to be fair, always wanting things to be right for everyone involved. And after I graduated from college, I went on to law school in Chicago and I ended up coming back to Memphis and I started working in corporate America and transitioned into higher education. And I had a situation where, with a student who needed some help with some homework. And the, I would say the help that she needed was help that I thought she probably should have already been able to do on her own, especially as a college freshman. Um, but she didn't understand the assignment, didn't understand how to get started. And that troubled me a little bit because I remembered the legislation of No Child Left Behind. That was around the time that I was in college. And so I knew what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, as it was explained to us when we were in college, but then some years later, what it actually turned into. Yeah. And so based on that, I wanted to see if there was anything that I could do on the policy side, maybe, or the advocacy side of education to try to help with the achievement gap um, and just, you know, impact education in some way. And for me personally, I felt that the only way that I could do that and be impactful was to actually go into the classroom to see what were some of the challenges that teachers and the students and even administration were having with closing that achievement gap. And so I enrolled in an alternative teaching program um, with Memphis Teaching Fellows, which is through the New Teacher Project. Oh, cool. I got my Tennessee teacher's license there. And so that was sort of the start of it. Um... And here I am, <laughs> love it. Here I am, Nikisha. What sort of
0: wisdom do you think you were able to bring into your career as a as an educator? Given that you had transitioned, you'd had experience in law school in the corporate sector. Um, how did that better prepare you
1: for what you'd encounter in a middle school classroom? Wow. Uh, so I knew what the students would be up against. Um, mm. I had real world experience on what my degree meant to me, what my diploma meant to me. And there were just things, there were conversations that I could have with my students starting in middle school that they really probably weren't thinking about because they were just focused on middle school stuff, Facebook or what happened on Twitter. Um, And I just sort of knew what was up ahead for them if they chose the college route or if they chose the technical route. And I was able to guide them. And so that was just some of the experience that I brought with me into the classroom.
0: Um. Sorry, do you have a follow up here? I just had to laugh because you said middle schoolers and Facebook, and that that shows that you are a seasoned teacher and have been teaching middle schoolers for 11 years. Because I feel like nowadays Facebook is out with middle schoolers. So. It is out. So it's like, I don't
1: even know that Snapchat is And that probably is even showing my age a little bit too, because I don't even know that they talk about Snapchat anymore. So it's I think it's always it's something. It's all about the Tiki Talk. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. TikTok.
2: Um, Something that you mentioned um, about bringing your experience in corporate America kind of into the classroom and knowing what students would be up against. You mentioned in your application that um, you want students to know that teaching and learning can happen anywhere, not just within the bounds of curriculum, et cetera. So I was just curious if you can share an example of a time when you felt like students were gaining valuable life lessons
1: that were outside of those um, kind of must-do checkboxes. So I do teach... English, English yes. language arts and some of the areas that I found would be really really valuable to my students which is also it's you know it's a part of the standards as well but just the, that basic reading comprehension portion of it but more so to get an understanding um, and not just from us reading text and understanding text but I would show them contracts because I would ask Ooh. them who are some of your favorite people, your basketball players or your football players or even your, uh, your singers, your mm-hmm. artists and things like that. But just who are some of your favorite people? Who are some people you maybe aspire Asp- yeah. to be at some point? And we started talking about what they have to do and how they have to look at their contracts and how they have to go about securing They call it securing the bag. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, So I talked to my students about, well, if you are struggling with basic comprehension skills and basic reading skills, then someone else is going to have to secure your bag. And you don't even know how much is in your bag because Mm -hmm. they can tell you it's 500,000 in your bag. But in fact, you probably earned 2 million, but you're only getting 500,000 because someone else with better comprehension skills is controlling your bag. So you always want to control your own bag. And how do we do that? We learn to read, we learn to comprehend, and we learn to understand things for ourselves.
2: Oh, wow. I love that example. Honestly, I wish I had had that. I feel like I would have... I mean, I loved English anyway, so Mm -hmm. I I didn't need it in that regard. But if someone had maybe used that approach for math for me, maybe I would have paid a little more attention. (laughs) Thinking of securing
0: the bag, obviously, as a winner, um, as an educator of excellence, there's a cash prize involved. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for educators... As important as money is, and as much as we want you to pay teachers fairly, we'll say it again. Turn it up. Pay teachers fairly what they deserve. Um, obviously, I think there's, there's a lot more meaning that goes behind it. So what does it meant to you to be an educator of excellence? Wow. It
1: was, it's pretty heavy. I'll, I'll, I'll say it, it's heavy. Being a teacher, when you tell someone I'm an educator, the first thing you hear is, Oh, I'm gonna pray for you. You know, yeah, many prayers, many prayers. I couldn't do God it. I couldn't speed, yeah. God speed, all <laughs> of us. And so, to be an educator of excellence makes it somewhat overwhelming because I already consider what I do very, very important and integral to these children's lives and impactful to them. And I want it to be the most impactful in a very healthy way. And so when you sort of shine that light and say, okay, you're an educator of excellence, then it's like, I really have to make sure I'm doing, you know, exactly. Like I have to make sure I'm doing the absolute best. So it's almost been like, you know, overwhelming, kind of heavy, just as heavy as the head to to wear the crown, so to speak, to think about it like that. Um, it's been sort of like that. Like, I've, I've always felt comfortable being a teacher because I understood the assignment, as my children would say. <laughs> I love it. I understood the heaviness of the assignment of teaching these kids and molding these kids. But now as an educator of excellence, it becomes even more so important to make sure that I demonstrate what that is. I love that
2: perspective. Honestly, I feel like sometimes, I mean, at least for me, it would be easy to be like, cool. I won an award. I'm Mm -hmm. obviously awesome. And (laughs) like for this, I just to know that you're like even seeing the ripple effects of it and what it means that you're under kind of a brighter spotlight
1: is very humbling.
2: Yeah. And sometimes those spotlights can be a little bright and (laughs) a burnout a little, you know, so Yeah. If you're just tuning in, we are
0: talking with 2022 New Memphis Educator of Excellence Award winner, Nikisha Woods-Dobbins. And, Nikisha, I had the opportunity to speak with you kind of throughout the selection process about your award. Um, And you actually shared with me before the story of your nickname. So you also go by Nikki um, sometimes. And I feel like it's so fitting since you're an English teacher. Would you mind sharing for our listeners?
1: Absolutely. I share this with my my students as well. So when my mom... Um, Found out that she was pregnant with me, and she found out that she was pregnant with a daughter. She, when she was in high school, she loved literature. She loved poetry. She was very much so into the arts, and so one of her favorite poets uh, was Nikki Giovanni, and she loved all of her poems. There was this one particular poem called "Ego Tripping," and she just absolutely loved that poem. And so, when she found out she was having a girl, instantly she said her name is going to be Nikki. Just instantly. And so the only reason why she ended up naming me Nikisha was because she felt that Nikki may not have been formal enough for my birth certificate. And so she was just over Nicole. She felt like it was too trendy at the time. Um, So what would go along with the name Nikki that could just go on the birth certificate? And so she came up with Nikisha and that's what went on my on my birth certificate. But literally since almost since birth or since she's she was carrying me around, I've always been Nikki after Nikki Giovanni. That's amazing. Your mom and my mom sound
2: similar. My mom was like, but what if, what if your daughter's going to be a president? She needs a strong name to be president. She was like, these nicknames can be (laughs) these side things, but she (laughs) was like, she needs to, you know, be able to be a CEO and, you know, be president. I'm like, mom, you can do that with it. Like, any name you want yes. like
1: <laughs> so every time uh so every time Nicki Minaj says my name is Nicki but my name ain't Nicole I'm like that's me oh. <laughs> <laughs> nickname Retweet. is Nicki but my name ain't Nicole such a that. strong
0: <laughs> legacy of a name and yeah I get I feel like it just keeps fitting in with the the humility Heavy is the yeah. head that wears the crown like you wear it so well um and you've got that legacy of greatness running through you I love that
2: I'm curious as an English language arts teacher um, in middle school specifically, because I feel like that is when some kids kind of either start to fall in love with English and literature or kind of are like very intimidated by it. And I'm curious if you um, have a must read that you recommend to both either uh, like middle school audience, but even as an adult, if someone's never read it, that you're like, this is a must read. Um, You cannot live your life without having looked over it.
1: So have you all heard of the book ban? I don't know that any of my selections are approved anymore. Oh no.
2: <laughs> that makes them even oh, more It makes it even
1: more. Oh gosh. Even more um, necessary, right? So
2: I was about to say I have a, a couple on mine, but I don't know if mine would even be. I don't know, I don't know what are on and off that list. But mine for me, is The Hiding Place by Corey Ten boom Um, night by I always mess up the name Ellie Weissel. like yes. Um, obviously have a passion for World War II
1: books And so
2: that's where those come in But others include
1: Where the Red Fern Grows and Lord of the Flies so. I absolutely love Where the Red Fern Grows But I love it more so because I'm a dog lover Ah, uh, Oh so gosh, that's like Red heartbreaking Fern, It is, Where <laughs> the Red Fern Grows is probably one of my favorite middle school books And I remember it still to this day I just absolutely loved it But it was more so because I just absolutely love loved the dogs the doggies So I, I would definitely say Where the Red Fern Grows is one of them um, two of the books that I've been teaching lately, A Long Walk to Water and then Bud, Not Buddy. I really like both of those books for middle school kids. Okay. Um, the children love them, especially "The long walk, A Long Walk to Water. They're able to sort of place themselves in the story mm-hmm. and they're able to also connect and see other people's perspective. Um, so both of those I think are really good, absolute must reads. Um, and then just for a classic where the Red Fern Grows, always like to go back to the classics, read that one too. Yeah, for sure. I love it.
0: And then what about, you have a daughter, correct?
1: I do. She's six, very oh, witty.
0: Yeah. yes. So she, thinking about- My
1: boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Same with my four-year-old.
0: So you've been you know, in this corporate world and this higher education world, seeing what your current students need in the future. And now you're teaching every day at the middle school level, but you have the sixth- year old as well. I feel like you've kind of seen the spectrum. So what does that mean for you as a mother as well, preparing her for school?
1: Oh, yeah. Tall order. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if she thinks her mommy is mean because when it comes to her school, she has homework every single night. And so she sees a different side of me and I have to be very intentional about Mommy and then teacher mommy, because teacher mommy is very, very specific about how things look and no, we're going to do it over again because we want to make sure that we're understanding. So, some of the things that I started doing very early on with her that I saw just from my own students, I always would ask her things about her day, I always ask her what's going on in class. And if she says, Well, if we didn't do anything today, I reframe that and say, Well, you all did something. Cause I know you just didn't sit there. Cause I know my students will say, We well, didn't do anything in mm-hmm. class today. Yes, sure. We did. <laughs> yeah. Trust and believe. Yes, There's a did. 20 point lesson plan yeah. Yeah. Exactly. that was, in fact,
0: executed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's on the board. Yeah. And I have PowerPoint. So it's there. Um, so I, I reframe and I ask the question, Well, just tell me some of the activities and tasks that you all did in class. And I get her in the habit of telling me academically what she's doing in class to see if there's some misconceptions, if there are some areas where I can help. And then I actively, and, and I, I don't know where I find the time, but I sit I down. I don't, I, just, yeah. I, I pull it out of thin air, I think. I sit down and we go over the homework. We sit, I sit down and I look. She has math and reading right now. And we sit down together and I spend... About 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes a night, and we just look at the homework. And sometimes she completes it at school okay, in aftercare. Mm-hmm. But I still sit down with her, even though it's done. And we go over what the homework was for the day. We look at it. She explains things to me. And I have her explain it. I put her in a position of power to always be able to explain to me what's on the paper and what she did and why, and giving her um, that opportunity to have more of like an extension of learning. And I saw that from my students of just, what are just some of the conversations that you have with your parent or your grown up, your loved one, when you get home? Do you talk about what you're doing in class? Do you talk about what you're doing in school? And I found that to be Lacking and a breakdown with those students that they're not often asked that, and especially at the middle school level, parents have no idea like what's going on. And so I intentionally started that as a routine to make it a habit that she knows that every single day, mom wants to know what happened today at school. And my goal and my 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 wish is that this continues all the way through, whether she chooses to go to college or yeah, not, through life. That, through life, <laughs> yeah. that we're always talking about what I learned today where I had challenges, what I want to do better and this is what I'm going to do about it.
2: Taking notes over here. That's what I was doing a second ago. I'm like, okay, your your daughter is 6 minus 4, where am I missing the mark? How can we do better? And that reflection is so important to help cement the learning, right? Whether you're
0: 6 or 36 or you know. Yes. Like um and and we hope not only for for students to be able to take that moment of self reflection, but for us as practitioners, yes. I, I say us. I apologize. I still identify so strongly with teachers. Let me. So I think <laughs> once an
2: educator, always an educator. And <laughs> I mean, your work is still is, almost solely str- like linked to educators in Memphis. So it's right. advocacy in a different way. So thinking of our
0: stride program and, and what we hope for teachers to get that sort of reflection. And um, we've got a quote from a past participant. Andrea Munoz said stride has efficiently and effectively used my time to provide meaningful time for reflection and practice in my professional and personal life. Um, so I was just so thankful to hear Something you're doing so fundamentally with your child, with students, um, is also something we hope to provide space for for teachers um, to kind of complete that cycle of self-reflection, learning, growth um, at any stage of the game.
1: Well, I think that's something that's just lacking overall, not even so much just in education. I think that just as humans, we don't take time to reflect. I would agree with that. Yeah, we're just too busy. We're just
2: so busy. Go into the next thing, the next Every, best it's, thing. It's the,
1: the very, like literally going to the very next step that you don't just take a moment to process. And that's even something that I've started doing more actively. Like I would do it all the time anyway, but now I actually speak up and tell people I'm going to need a moment to process and think about this. Can I get back to you in 45 minutes or 24 hours? But like I, I speak that and let that be known out loud. I need time to process and reflect.
2: I think that's so powerful. Too. And I believe that that goes back to, I think, the mental health, um, you know, it's stuff that's been bubbling up the last few years. And I think people are now more vocal about the boundaries that they need and not being able to, you know, stay on the hamster wheel 24-7, 365. And so I really do love that we've put that emphasis on reflection and that you carve out that time when I'm sure it's very difficult. I'm sure you have plenty of, um, what do they call it, like check. check Marks checks, check boxes. Yes, like things, mm-hmm. all the boxes, checkpoints that you have to hit, and so it's like must do this, must have this test score, must you know, must have this outcome, must whatever. But like taking a moment to say, hey, where did we struggle here? Where did we do great? Where did this make you feel really confident, and where did you feel less confident? And how can we work on that and make it better? We are talking
0: with 2022 New Memphis Educator of Excellence and 11 year educator, Nakisha Woods Dobbins, and I can't help but think. Uh, some of those boundaries you set, some of that time for reflection is just obviously a result of time in the classroom. But um, I think it's kind of the catch-22. You probably got those things because you've been around long enough to know the importance. Um, but having those things will also help keep you around and, and persisting. So I'm curious how your perspective has changed um, now being 11 years into your career. Obviously, priorities are shifting. It's it's less about like making it through the day, although there are still days about making (laughs) it through it and maybe more about teacher leadership or kind of a long-term vision. Um, so yeah, just how the perspective has
1: changed over the course of your career. So my first year as an educator was much different. (laughs) I came, I came in, it was about, (laughs) you know, at the end of the year I was like, "Whew, I survived that. Yeah. Um, I haven't quite felt that I survived the year. That so that lets me know that that first year was really.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> an outlier. It was, it was yeah, out. I want all new teachers to know. Yes, that year one is an outlier. The learning curve year one to year two, it's night and day difference. So it does get better. If you it are, does get better. If you are in the thick of year one, it gets better. Come see us at Stride. We'll
1: help you along. But
0: <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> it does.
1: It, it does get better. So year one, year one, I. I had a lot of misconceptions, um, even though college educated, law school, like grad school, all the things.
2: And you had that mission to go back and And advocate. And the mission, yeah.
1: There were just I had quite a few misconceptions that I even had to work through during that first year as a teacher. Misconceptions about um, leadership, just how people in administration. did their job or were supposed to do their job And the support Support within the school Support in the school system Teachers and how teachers support each other Resources I had quite a few misconceptions I just, you know, I sort of assumed That someone would come you and know, bring you reams of
2: paper. All and- of that. <laughs> just
1: come into the classroom. Oh, I thought you would probably need this. And so let me just make sure you have. Like, I just thought that because other people had sort of come along and knew what teachers needed, that as a first year teacher, just as a new teacher, that I really wouldn't have to seek out resources and assistance and help and things like that. And that wasn't necessarily the case. A lot of times teachers do have to seek out their re- those resources. And if you're not really familiar with an education, educational environment, then you don't even know what resources to seek out. Oh, true. You don't even know what professional developments you should be taking or should want to take. And so um, now I guess you would consider me more of a veteran educator. Now, my perspective is in looking at education, the way that we think about corporate America. And when you have new teachers come in, I don't want to call it handholding. Hold, hand we call it coddling when we think about school and elementary school and middle school, but you almost want to coddle the newer teachers because it it can be a very high stress environment and they need a lot of resources and they need a lot of outlets to just be able to manage because they're going from Managing themselves and maybe just managing a few other people to managing children, and that's a that's a really big thing to manage. Anywhere from seventy to one hundred and twenty different personalities, little personalities, um, sometimes um, grown personalities, but in little bodies, <laughs> and so <laughs> that's that's a lot. It's a lot of energy all throughout the day, and so my perspective has changed when I think when I think about teacher leadership. It's not. It's not necessarily me thinking like I have all the answers because I don't. But it becomes more so on me thinking I want to co-create and collaborate um, with everyone across the board because we're all really here for one common goal. And that's to ensure that these young lives that we're touching grow up to be um, valuable citizens to our world, to our country, to our city and to our state. And that really is sort of on us right now while they're within the four walls of this building is to teach them everything that we can so that when they go out there in some type of way, we can reap that reward yeah. um, later on, you know, whether it be through their children or their grandchildren, but sort of create their pipeline. And so as teacher, as a teacher leader, I think more so now is co-creation, collaboration, Um, Let's sit down all together Put our our heads together You might be a first year teacher But you can absolutely contribute to the conversation Um, You may think you don't know anything But you actually probably know a lot Because you have fresh eyes Versus my 11 year old eyes (laughs) And so what are your thoughts And what are your ideas And by bringing them in on the conversation It allows them to feel like they have a place But it also allows newer teachers To feel like they have support and they have an outlet and then it allows some of the, the more seasoned teachers to feel like, OK, I can take a little bit off my plate because somebody else has joined in to be a thought partner and I'm not doing all the stuff because they feel like, well, she's the veteran teacher, so let her do it. Mm. Um, so I, I think of it in that way now.
2: It sounds like successful onboarding is honestly, like I wouldn't even think of it as coddling. Like that's what successful onboarding looks like in corporate America is to quote unquote coddle new hires. I mean, you have a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, all of these tasks set up. You have their desk ready to go. You have, you know, all the terms defined for them. You have all, you know, that's what corporate America looks like in onboarding. So that's, I feel like you've just like taken it upon yourself. And speaking about like, What the students like sowing the seeds now and like tending to that, like weeding those gardens so that you can reap the harvest later. But it's also the same with the teachers because it's that mutually beneficial relationship where you get to mentor somebody Mm -hmm. and they get to feel empowered that their voice is being heard and that not knowing some things is actually a benefit. So I just, yeah, that's a And shame,
0: shameless plug, if you're looking for the the sort of collaboration that Akisha's talking about and having a chance to get your voice heard, in just two short weeks, on November 30th, you can join New Memphis for our Teacher's Lounge event. Um, we are having a special Wednesday night event, and the topic is Superintendent Search. So Tuesday night, Ooh. you can go to the MSCS school board meeting, um, and then teachers register on the New Memphis website or on our social. And you can find the link to Eventbrite to join us on Wednesday, November 30th for a teacher's lounge with Vanita Doggett, uh, director of advocacy at Memphis Education Fund, as we talk about the superintendent search and what that means for you and what you want.
1: I love that. And I would actually encourage teachers to encourage their students to take part in that too. So let this not be a moment where just the teachers and the parents involve themselves or engage themselves, but bring your students into this conversation as well, because this will be their superintendent. And I remember um, when Dr. Harrington was my superintendent. And so we think about that MCS that we grew up under. And so- I want the students to be just as much involved, going back to the policy part and all of that, but I want the students to be just as involved in that because I do believe in students um, having a say in their education. Um, it's not just whether they want to or not. I actually feel like it's their right.
0: Absolutely. I will say bring them into the conversation generally, not that specific conversation because teachers lounges are 21 plus happy hours specifically for pre-K through 12 teachers, but... Then bring the conversation like talk to your students to on, you know, on Tuesday on the bring week before the conversation. bring that to them. Um, and something you just mentioned again, talking about you growing up as a student at MS or M- in Memphis CS. City School's legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and in hearing you talk about preparing your students to be, you know, citizens of our city. Obviously you went away. You you were in Chicago for law school, um, but you're choosing to be in Memphis. As a Memphian yourself, and now as a Memphian who's educating future Memphians, tell us a little bit about that choice.
1: Memphis, I think, for me, will always be home. And I used to wonder why people would graduate from high school, and then they would go off to college, and they would never come back. And I graduated from high school, and I went off to college, and then I didn't come back. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't come back. For <laughs> You're like, OK, <laughs> for some years. And what brought me back was I think about how people always want to give back to where they were raised because I was Memphis, Memphis raised. Um, definitely Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you just think about the culture and you think about the city and what we're known for. Um, I went to the Overton High School. I was in the creative and performing arts program there. Um, So very much so, Memphis is, um, I'm a part of the fabric of Memphis and Memphis is a part of my fabric. And so even though I did go away to college and I went off to, to law school and things like that, I think I always knew that at some point, whether it was a physical presence in Memphis, whatever I chose to do with my career or with my worldly impact, it would benefit Memphis in some way because that was always home. Um, and so I ended up actually coming back. And so now I'm able to have that impact the way that I wanted to, being physically present here. But it was just something that I knew regardless, wherever I ended up in the world, whatever I did, I would always make sure it came home and benefited home.
2: Um so that is why you chose and continue to choose Memphis. Um and you talked a little bit about how you chose the classroom from corporate America and from the policy perspective. I'm curious what keeps you in the classroom. Like that's what brought you to the classroom is, you know, wanting to advocate for equitable education mm-hmm. and making, you know, empowering students for tomorrow. And so I'm curious if that's still the same thing 11 years in or if there's been kind of nuances to that mission.
1: Some of the nuances have been, for me personally, sometimes you look at education; and it it looks like it's very politicized. Um, some of the decisions that are made, particularly for Black and Brown children, for uh, for children who are underserved, for various populations, it seems it seems that at times those policies can be very politicized, and it's about. Um, whatever the Republican or the Democratic Party wants to happen at that particular time. And I don't like that. And I think more than anything, if you ask teachers why they are fleeing and they're leaving and they're, you know, getting out in droves and they are resigning, a lot of times it's because that is the feeling that my hands are so tied that I really just can't even teach and just do what it is that I love, which is Teach English, Mm -hmm. or teach math, or teach science. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, the book ban. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, when you think about why teachers are leaving, that's that's somewhat of the why, and also the the coins, the pay. So, (laughs) yeah, that too. The bag, the being in charge of your bag and realizing it's a little empty. (laughs) The bag is very light, Um, (laughs) more like a, a paper bag and not an actual handbag. But so, but what. I think what keeps me there (laughs) is something that I've had as child is like this. um, I'm very optimistic. I don't know where I got that from, but (laughs) I always manage to keep, if nothing more than a mustard seed size of optimism, that things will get better, that change will come. And I know there's a song that, you know, change is going to come. Yes. But there's always just the hope and the optimism that things will get better. Um, and then to know that when you actually truly like kids and you love them and what happens to them is important to you, then that's also something that keeps you placed in that area to try and, and make sure that, that, you're, that you're someone that's there for them to be able to depend on. Um, because who else is going to come in if not me?
2: Yeah, if not me, then who? Yeah. If you are
0: an early career educator looking to find some of the hope that Nikisha's talking about and to figure out what is your locus of control in this shifting world of policies and to earn some of that coin quite frankly um check out newmemphis.org to learn more about our stride program it is both professional and social development to build your resiliency um again that locus of control and there is a $700 stipend for completion of the program because when you invest in yourself we want to invest right back in you Um, Brittany Taylor, actually one of your colleagues, uh, Nikisha said, the stride program has been simply amazing. I've met some great educators, tried food from local restaurants and received valuable information to use in my classroom and personal life. So again, thinking about that balance, personal, professional, um, you've just shared a little bit about how the community can better support educators and and we at New Memphis are thinking about that always. Um let's let's shift it up a little bit. What about personal life outside of the classroom? Um what passions are you pursuing
1: to keep that balance in your own life? Passions. Um what are those when you are a mommy, a working mommy? <laughs> Sleep, sleep, (laughs) sleep is a passion. A lovely nap. Um, A hot cup of coffee. (laughs) Yes, I don't think people. I think people really underestimate the value of an of an actual hot cup of coffee right now. Yeah,
2: a non-warmed up cup of coffee. A fresh, fresh
1: cup of coffee that was just poured, and not one poured ten minutes ago. Um, Passions, passions going into policy still. It's just, like I said, social justice, um, advocacy. So that's definitely still a passion. And so if I can get out there and just do some things, then I will. I get involved if I can. Um, I am looking at what I can get my daughter interested in. She plays tennis. Oh. So she asked me one day, Mommy, are you going to learn how to play tennis? And I'm like, you know, I actually wouldn't mind taking a few lessons. It was something I was interested in when I was in middle school, but with me being a part of the band, it wasn't really a lot of time for us to do very many other things. So I actually might take that up as a passion, just getting back sort of involved in sports, but something like tennis or maybe something like golf um, that I would enjoy doing traveling. I've been traveling a little bit more um, and making it very intentional about where I'm going and what I'm going to see and sort of building out my itinerary. I don't just go places just to be going like very intentional about the places that I want to go. So that's a passion is traveling. But I think I'm still trying to find the balance of being a working mom of a child that's also in school while also being an educator.
2: Mm. Gosh. Yeah. I'm curious if you would give, um, the average Memphian, what is, one, um, what is one misconception that they probably have about educators? And
1: then what can they do to help educators on the flip side of that? Biggest misconception is that we don't do anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know that's a lie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you we...
2: honestly think that, then this is the wrong <laughs> podcast for you. You've been listening for, for 40 minutes for no reason.
1: We, we don't do anything and that uh, we just have all these breaks. All of the breaks, the fall breaks, the summer breaks, oh, yeah, the Christmas that, breaks. Yeah, just, that you're just you know, unnecessary, flush with breaks. <laughs> unnecessary breaks. We don't do anything. Um, I think the the biggest misconception, um, and I was joking with that. It's, it, well, it's not really a joke, but I do think that sometimes people think that teachers don't teach. Um, I think the biggest misconception is that anyone can do it. Oh. That anyone can teach. It is... I don't know if it's really a Memphis misconception. I think that's almost like countrywide, maybe worldwide, even misconception is that people think that just anybody can walk into a classroom and anybody can do what it is that we do. And I don't really think people fully grasp what all goes into educating a child. It is very different than parenting a child and while you are as a parent or a guardian, your child's first teacher, it is a little different when you're teaching academics and skills that are related to those content areas. It's On a scale much so. of
0: 30 plus children at once, the decision yes. fatigue, like the amount of decisions a teacher has to make every given minute alone.
1: Every given minute. And then just not even that, but having to, having, having the knowledge and the ability to see in the middle of a lesson when it's going left, because you always practice your lesson before you go into the classroom or, you know, the night before, or the week before, just you, you always go through your lesson. And you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be great. And you plan for your 50 or 60 or however long your class periods. Are you plan, plan for that 90 minute lesson? And then by minute 15, you're like, okay, nobody gets this. They're not getting it. Or everybody gets it. And so now, now I don't what, have to go in detail like right, that much. Stand, yeah. And so now I need to pull another, you know, rabbit out of my head because I wasn't planning for this to be a 15 minute lesson. I was planning for it to be a 60 minute lesson, but they got it and we can go on or they're not getting it at all. And so now I see that not only is this a miscon- misconception about this particular standard, but I'm going to have to dial this all the way back to a foundational piece. So I'm going to have to take this back. A couple of grade levels. Um, And so teachers are really skilled in being able to do that when they're standing right there in the midst of the classroom and in the midst of a lesson. And they use that information, they use that that data to guide them to go forward, but at the same time to give them a moment to reflect on, well, how can I change this up or how can I reteach this? Um, They didn't understand it this way or a small percentage did. And so it's the other half that I need to reach. Or out of 30 kids, um, 20 got it, but 10 did not. And so now I need to do small groups. And so when you think about anybody can do this, no, anybody really just can't. First and foremost, you really got to like kids. (laughs) Yes, baseline. (laughs) Other people's kids. Yes, (laughs) other people's kids. You really have to like other people's kids. Um, And then there there really has to be a passion for... Being able to um, work with them doing that productive struggle, children will act, act out with Ooh, the productive struggle. Productive struggle, I like that phrase, yeah. They will act out because they're not getting it. And so that first instinct is to push back and you have to be gentle enough to continue to encourage them to push forward. Like you're going to get it, it's okay, just keep going. Um, so I think that the biggest misconception is that anybody can do what we do and really it is a, it is a calling. It really is a calling. I would encourage, I would encourage um (laughs) for more people, you know, maybe sign up to be a substitute. Like if you just, you know if you think you like other people's. You think you like other people. But you want to test it out. (laughs) Sign up to be a substitute. It is it's not exactly the same. Yeah. But you do get that opportunity to go in um and just be in a classroom setting and sort of get the feel of what it's like. Um the hard part really is like understanding your content, understanding how to design a curriculum, how to design an entire year's worth of curriculum, instructional tasks and, and activities and things like that. So it's, it's a lot more in depth than just showing up every day and say, OK, let's learn about nouns. <laughs>
0: Listener, I wish you could have just seen the, the lovely, sarcastic face that went, around, went along with that. It is not
2: just let's learn about nouns. In yeah. fact... So what is something, um, so other than substitute, what is something that you hope that Memphians knew about teachers or could assist with?
1: What I would love for Memphians to assist with teachers, be more engaged. If you could, um, you know, if you know a teacher, even if you don't know a teacher, go find some teachers. You know a
2: teacher, dear listener, you do. Whether it's your child's teacher, your neighbor, I mean, your neighbor's kid's teacher, your local neighborhood school's teachers. Yes. I mean, it. if you don't know a teacher, you do. You're just not looking hard enough.
1: Get engaged. Please get engaged with the school. Get engaged with the teachers. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes teachers can be so over, overwhelmed with tasks um, that when people step in and say, oh, well, what do you need help with? Sometimes they don't really know what they need help with because their plates are so full. And so maybe come in with an idea of what you would like to do. Um, Hey, I would like to come in and read to your group. Is there a particular text or something that you guys are working on that I can assist with? Um, I would like to come in. Maybe you uh, work in the hospital setting and you love biology or you love science and you ask the science teacher, what skill are you guys on? I would love to come in and maybe co-teach a lesson with you Um, or you're a historian buffer. Just, but just push, see where you can push in and just help. We're not asking you to teach the children. We do that. Um, But just where you can sort of come in as a community because children don't see the community anymore. Coming into the schools When I was growing up We would see people Come in all the time Many people came in And read to our class When I was growing up We saw different um, people In the community Different businessmen Businesswomen um, Different uh, political officials um judges even um, doctors would come in or lawyers or just so many different people would come into our school and come into our classroom and we saw that and we felt connected with the community you saw that you were in school for a reason because once you graduated look at what you can go out there and do and the kids are really disconnected from that uh, because the community doesn't come in now i'm also very aware that, you know, obviously we are very much into security So everybody yes. can come in <laughs> So I promise yes. you, I promise I get it But I think also that's when you build relationships yeah. And you network with administration and with the school system So don't let the fact that we definitely need to be very mindful of security Keep you from engaging in your local school, your child's school um, Or just any teacher that you know into their school You can, you can definitely engage with them
2: I love that. I love that advice. It's really nice to, to, to think about the impact that that can have. And again, when you said sometimes teachers, like you're juggling so many things, like if you hand one over, you might drop them all. So it's sometimes it's just easier to keep it all to yourself, you know, not easier, but you know, sometimes it, so knowing specific examples to be able to walk in and say, Hey, I want to help with X, Y, and Z. That's that's helpful. That's good advice.
0: If someone would have come and decorated a bulletin board or updated
1: please my data come decorate, board, <laughs> let, please, let, you know what? Let me just say this: Please decorate the bulletin boards. That is one task that if you just love if if decor is your thing, please. Nobody wants to do the bulletin board. Yeah,
0: that was not my calling, <laughs> no. but I know it's so important for <laughs> students to have like a rich, you know, atmosphere. And a, and a well put together one, but that was that was low man on, on the list well, for me. Well, also, yeah,
2: like if something, if it's like the last item on your to-do list and the next item is sleep and it's like two in the morning, like you're not gonna decorate the dang bulletin board. You're going to sleep, I would hope. So like someone else, come on in and decorate.
1: But I would I would love to see the community get more engaged. You really would be surprised, especially for students that don't have the opportunity to get outside of maybe their neighborhood, Um, And so to see someone else from some other place just and and I I know it sounds so weird like, oh, it's Memphis. Memphis is small. Well, for students who may live in a particular zip code and that's the only zip code that they know and they don't get outside of that zip code to them. Memphis is vast. Um, It's huge. And so this is coming from a person who lived in Chicago. So, yeah, like get in there and impact those students, impact those teachers and please, please, please get engaged.
2: So this is Aaron's favorite part um, of every episode and I say it every time. Aaron, it's your favorite. This is our lightning round. So we're gonna ask you some quick questions and it's just gonna be stream of conscious, whatever first thing comes to your mind.
1: I told you earlier that I like the process, right?
2: Oh yes, yes you did. Yes, you did. These are not gonna be too difficult. So are
1: you ready? Yes. The first question mechanical pencil or regular, like traditional pencil? Mechanical pencil, because I'm I'm tired of the pencil sharpener conversation. <laughs> If you did not teach your current grade level, which grade level would you want to teach?
0: Probably 8th grade. Okay, flip side, which grade level would you not touch with a 10-foot pole, but we still love whoever these
1: children are? Oh, um <laughs> it's actually 7th <seventh> grade. Um <laughs> that's just but, but I teach 7th grade, but and there's a reason why they are just like they're going through all of the changes in it's seventh tough grade. Time. It's Just a very tough time day. for Ooh, the kids. It's cues. a tough time it's, for everybody. It is not for the weak. <laughs> <laughs> um, Electronic notes or physical notes? Physical notes. Physical notes. It commits to memory.
2: Oh.
0: Big, big connection, yeah. Big connection. Okay. Switching gears.
2: Favorite Memphis restaurant? Cozy Corner, barbecue. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Favorite thing to do in Memphis with your daughter?
1: We go to the Children's Museum. Although we go to a lot of museums. The Children's Museum, Pink Palace. We go to those places. I love it. Grizz Game or Redbirds Game? Oh. No pressure. Yeah, no. Oh, gosh. oh, Oh, gosh. You made me choose between... Two of the teams. I'm going to say the Grizzlies. And the only reason why is because I'm not always an outside person. I do love outside, but at least in the Grizzlies game, if it's raining or if it's really, really hot, I'm inside. But I I love the Grizzlies. I love them both. We go to both. Are you more likely to rep your alma mater or your current school? Oh. I do. I rep my alma mater. I always do. Um, Even when everyone is doing Memphis Madness, I have on an MTSU. That's where I went. (laughs) MTSU shirt. Um,
2: this is my favorite one. They did it on the Today Show. So you have four folders. They are red, yellow, green, and blue. And you have four subjects, math, history, science, and English. What color goes with what?
1: I don't know why. Math is always like the blue. History is red. Um, science, what were the other two colors you said? Yellow and... Green and yellow. Green and yellow. I would do science for yellow, and then the last one would be green. Yellow would be green.
2: Oh, You just blew my mind.
1: It's yeah, like you just same.
0: broke all the stereotypes. I yeah, love you it. did.
2: That's actually not one of the common answers. There are common <laughs> answers for this, and that was not it. So you are a creative thinker, I think.
0: Way to be an individual. Yes.
2: Way to, yeah. Blaze a
0: trail. Pioneer. Awesome. And finally, what we love to ask all of our guests, one word to describe
1: Memphis. Resilient. Ooh, nice Resilient. Memphis, um, again, born and bred, Memphis native, Memphis has seen very tough times, but we always bounce back. Even that mustard seed of hope.
2: Always got to have it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Nakeisha. It's been a pleasure and a joy, and we are so grateful for all that you do for our community and all of the lives that you touch and you know send forward into our community to do great things. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right, Erin. Um, I think we got most of our big announcements out of the way at the beginning of the show, and so now we just get to marinate in all of the things that Nakeisha said and- so I hope that. listeners are thinking about that period of
0: reflection that she takes for her daughter, for her students, for herself, and that you're taking some time uh, as you go about your day to think about what you've been learning lately and how you're implementing it and and how you're using that to give back to your community and shape the future of Memphis.
2: I agree. I think that reflection and empowerment were two of the things I really took away from Nikisha's, you know, words of wisdom. Um, um, that's definitely stuff that I'm going to you know, take to the bank for sure. Put in my bag, (laughs) secure the bag, secure the bag, secure the bag. Yeah, definitely showing my age here, but thank you very much for, um, everything to your listener. Thank you, Erin, for joining me in the studio today. Anytime, anytime. And so until next week, pew, 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 pew. Bye. This week's episode was
0: made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.